I have never thought of my world as small before. But recent events can really put into perspective how small we all are. It has also clarified for me how big and how important the service we provide is. And the irony in what I'm about to ask is not lost on me. Because I'm about to ask three of the best athletes in the world to discard their petty differences. To put aside those squabbles and to stand together. The irony, it being March 18th, 2020, and us as human beings need to stand together. And for many of us, that will mean standing at a distance. We have to be informed. We have to be held responsible by health and science, but there is a profound difference in that versus living in a prison of fear. And I refuse to live in fear because that's not living at all. And I don't know about you watching at home. I feel alive and I hope you feel alive. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another edition of Just What the Internet Needed More Of. That's right, it's a wrestling podcast. It's another wrestling podcast. It is called Top Marks. It's another wrestling podcast called Top Marks. My name is Justin Morissette, and with me once again, as always, is the janitor himself. He's cleaning up the messes of the masses, Josh Custodio. You know, every every time we do this now, I feel like the, the intro, while always exciting and electrifying, it is uh it's like oh is he gonna get it you know can can he do it well i i got uh the, the janitor himself and cleaning up the messes of the masses mixed up oh, but okay. other well, than that's, that that's a forgivable one yeah considering we came into this and i was saying i don't think i remember how to do this at all <laughs> it, it makes me nostalgic for a time where where you had two shows with similar intros and uh, and that uh, <laughs> those two would bleed together. This yes, is a long I would, time ago. Now. I would say the wrong one every time. Yeah, that does feel like a while back now. <laughs> I, you know what else feels, feels like, like a, a while ago? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, you're right. Everything. <laughs> yeah, anything that's ever happened. Yes, two months ago feels like ten years ago, uh, which makes it even crazier that Josh, we haven't done this show. In four months now, which like feels like four decades ago. Yeah, you told me, you just said, we haven't done one since the best of last year, 2019. Yes. And I literally had the thought, well, how long ago was that? <laughs> <laughs> like that That's where my mind went. I was like, well, that, that must have been two years ago at this point. <laughs> the end of year show for 2019. Yeah, but listen... And I, listen, we will talk about the wrestling. The people want to hear the yes. wrestling, and I want to talk about the wrestling. Of course. You, Lord knows we got some shit to say. There's so much to catch up on. We have to talk about, you know, wrestling in isolation. This is wild times right now. Uh, across every brand, across every show, across every pay-per-view, really, everything feels crazy at the moment. Uh, but, of course, like, you know, you and I can catch up a little bit here, too, because, uh, I, I, you know, I we still chat all the time online, but I don't feel like like I've spoken to you, actually yeah. heard your voice, and man, feels like probably not that long, but it feels like forever. Well, when you're used to a couple years of doing it at least every week, 
uh, it, it it feels like even longer, right? Yeah, uh, and this is a big week, of course, not just because Money in the Bank is coming up on Sunday night, but also the return of the UFC this coming Saturday. Yeah, and, I'm very excited about that. Yeah, in fact, you put out a primer, kind of a solo podcast, <laughs> trial <laughs> balloon sort of deal to catch people up on uh, what's going on with the UFC this week if they are not familiar with the world of mixed martial arts on a regular basis. And I, I'll, I'll be honest, Josh, I haven't listened to the whole thing yet, but what That's I did okay. listen to... I liked very much. Well, that's very nice. uh, Don't think I don't realize you're you're sneaking in a plug here for me. I appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, yeah, good good friend of ours, Scoots Brodo, and uh, and then some other people when they heard him do it were were like, "Hey, uh, you know, you're a big UFC guy. I'm starved for sports, and there's a there's a new one this week. Could you could you do what you do for the wrestling cards?" With with MMA, so I just did like a little thirty minute off the top of my head thing uh, talking about the card. Yeah, DM me if you, if you want that at J Zero SHC. Um, I'm really curious though how this show is going to do. I think it's going to draw a lot of eyeballs initially because it's a huge card. They've really stacked it with as many big fights as they can. Like even the the fight that's airing for free on yeah, it's uh, massive on Donald TV Trump versus Anthony Pettis. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge fight. So yeah. th- like I do feel like it is going to be an attraction this weekend. But I wonder how much what we've seen in the ratings as far as what pro wrestling has been doing in isolation is going to be reflected by the ratings of, you know, all these sports leagues that are angling to come back as well, right? Because everybody feels like, well, WrestleMania did such huge numbers. Mm-hmm. WrestleMania was huge this year. All the people were talking about it. It did huge social, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, uh, trial subscriptions to the network were way up. If they're going to have all that kind of interest, I need a piece of that pie. That seemed to be the attitude of every single sports league, but especially the UFC. Uh, after WrestleMania and, like, the immediate aftermath of it. But my question is, like, was that pie even real? Like, was WrestleMania mm. even that profitable for WWE this year? Because I don't think it was. Okay, so here's I think a lot more people watched it for free yeah. than have in the past. But I don't know that, like, WWE really raked in money the way that they did. And we've seen in recent weeks that the TV ratings have, like, fallen off a cliff. So it's not like... The fact that it's the only game in town is really playing in its favor. Even people who watch wrestling all the time are checking out on these shows. So I'm wondering, I mean, obviously there's the difference between staged wrestling matches and real sports like UFC, but I'm still wondering if this whole, well, everyone's so starved for content, they're going to tune in in huge numbers. I wonder if that's overblown and, you know, not even a real thing. So first of all, wow, is it ever nice to, to be talking to you about this sort of thing? Because you and I are, are great friends, fans of professional wrestling, but we also love like business sports sort of, you know, like this sort of sphere. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like this is, this is something I like to talk to you about. Um, and I hate to give a non-answer here, so I will take a stance, but the answer is we got to find out. Yes. We got to find out on Saturday night. This is when we figure out where the line is drawn and if people will be driven to it. Here's my sense. I think it'll be a lot like WrestleMania, and I think you and I actually agree on this. I think it will do massive social numbers. I think it will feel like Twitter and whatever social spheres you're on are watching this program. I think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the thing is, can you do anything with that? I'm with you that I, I think WrestleMania was probably, if they're saying it was the most viewed on the network in ages, I can believe it. I could believe that there were some signups for it. The stock prices reflect that. I, I, I could see that. 
But if that leads to historically low ratings two weeks later, what does that even mean? Yeah. Like, if you can't have all eyeballs on your product and and churn one new fan over, like, that's legitimately what we're talking about here with all-time low ratings. So I'm not even sure what sort of success you could chalk that up to outside of the day. Yeah, because, like... Even the the numbers that WWE was citing for Mania being a huge success, it was all social media. Like, you're not That's making right. money off tweets. You're not making money off, I mean, YouTube you are making money off of, but, like, they were hyping the views that they were getting on embedded videos in tweets, which, uh, like, sorry, you're not monetizing that. You're not even, you're not getting, you know, I don't know that you're getting anything out of that, honestly. Well, and I've critiqued both the UFC and the WWE, uh, and and I will now AEW as well on this show, for not doing what the NBA has done. The NBA has said, folks, film your televisions, make GIFs of our content or GIFs. I don't want to hear it. Don't at me. I don't care how you say that fucking word. Uh, Share whatever you want. We're not going to touch you. We want our content existing on the internet because this is how people are watching sports now. The UFC and WWE still have this bad paywall mentality. So this prevents things from opening up and exploding in that social sphere in a way that might actually gain you a new fan or a dollar at the end of the day, right? Like, I I don't understand why showing the end of a finish of a match is, is still, you know, hell on wheels. And the UFC is just as protective of their clips so it all all comes from mlb man like mlb tv uh when the company that runs that streaming service took over all of the web stuff for major league baseball that was the point where it was like all gifs all video content anything that a fan is posting to share a moment we're gonna like right strike that and then the nhl started doing the same thing Mm -hmm. and you're right it spread like right across the board it's madness to me it's so crazy. And so so to, to sort of tie the two together, I'll just say that I think that the, the fights on ESPN with the ESPN push, the something that the WWE doesn't have at that level uh, is the this ESPN machine driving all the... Because WWE can get a push there, but they can't get on first take. They can't get on every hard sports show. There's just some people that are going to push back on it. Mm-hmm. Whereas UFC can get at all those tables. And especially since it's on ESPN, I think that portion of the show up to headlining with uh, Donald Cerrone and... Uh, uh, Anthony Pettis is going to do big numbers. I'm going to guess somewhere in the two and a half million sphere, which would be quite big for for prelims for them. But in terms of actual pay per view buys, I don't know if you've looked around, man. Man, do, are, do your friends seem to be swimming in it right now? Uh, not, not really. No, I mean yeah, we're all we're all getting some stimulus checks. We're we're stocking up on Trudeau bucks over here. <laughs> That's right. But uh, I don't think anybody's in a rush to spend those Trudeau bucks on a pay per view. I, I like I have interest in the pay per view on Saturday. I like I'm gonna see if I can find a stream of some kind. Oh, somebody will be able to help you with that. I'm sure they will. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even gonna because if I was on terrestrial radio right now, if I was at work right now, Josh, I'd have to be like through legal means <laughs> of course everything's above board here folks but here on top marks yeah. you, you know that i'll send you an illegal street yeah here on top marks i'm like no i'm gonna watch it illegally and you know fuck them well, that's why <laughs> but here's here's another thing and i think this does have crossover with the wrestling audience as well which is People, the the culture around pay-per-view buying for boxing and MMA is getting groups together to buy these things. Yes. So it's not only the $60 price that seems high, it's that I'm used to having three, four, five, six, seven people all throwing in 10, 15 bucks and you're ordering some pizzas as well. Mm-hmm. So just a flat $60 feels like a, a big ask and one that 
I could be wrong come Monday morning, but I don't see this being a massive pay-per-view for the UFC. I think it'll be big, but I don't think it'll be colossal. I don't think we're talking like Conor McGregor. Yeah, I've, I've seen people speculate that like, oh, well, because no one can get together, all of the people who would watch it at a party <laughs> are all going to order it themselves. And yeah. therefore, buys will be up by like seven or 800%. Uh, Hunter like, Campbell, lawyer for the UFC, was like, well, think all those people who normally go to a bar has got to watch it somewhere. He's, he's lying to himself. <laughs> <laughs> Who is he fooling? Come on. It's like, yeah, the 100 people in the bar. Oh, yeah, that's that's $160 pay-per-view buys for sure. No it's like, come doing, on, like, sir. I can barely afford to buy, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I, I can afford to buy a lot of things right now, if I'm being <laughs> but, honest. But, but pay-per-views not, are not yeah, one of them. Yeah, not not at that price point. So, so no, I don't think it's going to be Mammoth, but I could see it having like a – similar everyone's watching thing because i i felt that on wrestlemania this year that more people certainly in the casual sphere were like oh i I might check that out today or at least follow along on twitter or something did you feel that uh yeah i I think so i feel like interest was up generally and i think you know the statistics we were just making fun of do bear that out sure but but people tweeting about things does not equal money is like the point that i was saying (laughs) to start this off so i don't know i like that to me has been the interesting thing about reading into the tea leaves as far as wrestling ratings on a week-to-week basis because you know if nxt or dynamite or even raw or smackdown are down on a week-to-week uh you know basis I, to me it's like well that doesn't necessarily mean that the wrestling fans are disappearing it means they're watching the news especially wow. in the states where the situation is so much worse and just spinning out of control on the daily relative to what you and i are dealing with here uh not just in canada but british columbia which seems to be handling this better than just about any place in north america yeah shout out to cascadia you know here here in beautiful bc getting it done well seattle Um, didn't exactly fare too well actually yeah let me take that back seattle (laughs) you shit your pants go white caps sorry sounders exactly Uh, uh, but but no, it's it's uh we're doing well, and like you say, there's 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 all those things in play. All these things do like what does what does them doing poorly in ratings mean right now? I don't know. Yeah, probably nothing. They they've I, got their TV deals secure for five years or whatever. I think if the TV deals were up right now, it would mean a lot. But sh- oh well, it couldn't. Yeah, then it would mean almost everything. But I mean, like if they signed those me- checks like at the <laughs> perfect moment. Well, not ex- well, yeah, I mean, can you believe, especially think of Dynamite, like would they miss it by four months? Something yeah. Like that? yeah I mean, and, and even then, they're still not making a ton of money right now. Like the, the, the deal that Dynamite signed is backloaded so that they start to really make TV money in year three, I'm pretty sure, from yeah, what I read at the time. I think that's right. So like, you know, AEW is still hurting right now. They are a company that is largely sustained by their gate revenue at live events and the fact that they have not only not fired anyone but have you know seemingly signed more people because (laughs) i think we both agree that's where the revival are ending up that's probably where a couple other people who got cut from wwe are going to turn up as well you know uh they they had guys that they did sign debut during quarantine in both lance archer and Brody lee this is a company that is like doing the right thing financially, even if they have started to resume live television and there are, you know, kind of moral qualms with doing that relative to just taping a bunch in a row. But even as someone who wants to cast some shade on them for doing that, Josh, I got to say, Dynamite last night was a hell of a lot of fun. It was probably the best show that they've done in in months because i we're going to disagree on this because i know that you felt that the shows haven't had a ton of stakes i've really enjoyed the stakes of the tnt title tournament 
uh, up until about the last week. I thought that uh, <laughs> Cody versus Darby was bad, and the week before that, uh, Lance versus um, Cabana. Uh, no, Cabana I liked. The match that he had against – oh, no, it was Dustin. It was Dustin putting his oh, career on the line right. against Kip Sabian. That was the bad one. I'm really into Lance Archer right now, I got to say, which is not something that I ever felt about him in uh, New Japan. Okay, Madman, there, there's so much to cover, so much to catch up on. I want to talk about last night's Dynamite. I, too, thought it was a banger show in the best of a while. But I want to go way back. I want to go way back because the people want this show, and a lot has happened since we've last spoke. That's true. I actually want to go all the way back. I want to talk a little bit about WrestleMania. I want to talk a little bit about the WWE cuts that you just alluded to. And then I want to talk about these quarantine shows and ranking them. Does that sound sort of roughly good to you? Yeah, it sounds great. Right on. Let, so let's talk about WrestleMania. Where was your anticipation level heading into the, the first quarantine performance center WrestleMania? I mean, a month earlier, my anticipation level was at an all-time high mm-hmm. because I was slated to go. Like, I had applied for media accreditation to have the exact kind of media experience that I did at SummerSlam weekend. I really wanted to head down and bank a ton of interviews that I could play on the radio show for, you know, three months after the fact which is basically what I did with all my SummerSlam content. It's like rolling out a new chat every single week. I wanted to have that experience, and I also wanted to attend WrestleMania. Like, that was... uh, It's been a a lifelong kind of dream of mine to go to Mania. Even when I was checked out on the business, the idea of going to a WrestleMania was always appealing to me as like a bucket list thing, and I thought I was finally going to do that. Um And then the world kind of uh, went (laughs) tits up and topsy turvy, you know. Like it's, uh, it was a weird mania for me because in the weeks leading up, like there kept being so many dates that would pop up. Like, oh, this is the day that I was supposed to fly to Tampa. This is the day that I was supposed to, you know, all that sort of thing. Yeah, of course. And instead, I'm reminders in your phone. Yeah, instead, I'm sitting on my couch by myself, (laughs) like watching the show totally alone. Uh, And I was skeptical as to how it was going to go because I wasn't really feeling the isolation TV in the lead up. And to be honest, I'm still not really feeling the ISO TV for WWE. Like, I think they should take a cue from Dynamite as far as how they're handling not having a crowd. Um, But that's a conversation we can save for when we look at how the the weekly shows are doing. I got to say, though, I, I was... I was pretty impressed by WrestleMania overall. I thought that the first half of night one was a rough start. And I think they learned that lesson for night two by having Charlotte and Rhea open that show because that was the best women's match of the weekend. And, and, you know, one of the second longest show, the second longest match of the entire two nights, uh, Edge and Orton being number one by a mile. Uh, (laughs) But but that was the show on day two that opened real strong. And, you know, uh, you got to tip the cap. Like, if I have any amount of investment in Money in the Bank this weekend, it's not because they've done a good job building to it on the weekly TV. In fact, I think SmackDown has been borderline unwatchable for the better part of the last month. But I am very, very curious to see how the uh, climb the corporate ladder uh, match at Bristol pans out because they showed us last month at Mania that those cinematic matches in the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match are, 
you know, really something special. And uh, I just absolutely loved the Boneyard match. I've watched it three times now, <laughs> and it, it never fails to entertain. To me, it's uh, a complete revitalization of The Undertaker's career, man. It's been a bad couple years for this guy. Um, I think it's no controversy to say that. I think everyone would agree. Yeah, he's been dead, man. you got to reach back a long, long time to find a good Taker match. And was this actually a match? No, not really. No, but no, was not it by any was normal it metric? A spectacular resuscitation of the dead man character? Am I invested in what Undertaker does going forward now? Yeah, I think I am because that match was a hell of a lot of fun, and I don't think anybody benefited more from these quarantine shows than Undertaker did. Yeah, I also, uh, I hope Money in the Bank is structured like night two of WrestleMania, where the, the corporate ladder pre-tape big spot is, is the headliner, and we get some solid, but not, you can't throw anything too much at the wall in these empty arena matches. I feel like when they stretch things too far, they feel weird to me. Like, you gotta, you gotta go a little meat and potatoes, put on some good wrestling matches, don't linger. I don't think length helps, and let's get, let's get to the pre-tape. I think that's what they gotta do with Money in the Bank. I also loved the Boneyard match, uh, but I think people who prefer it to Firefly Funhouse are, are psychotic people. That's what, that's my opinion. Well, it feels more like a match than Firefly Funhouse, and I don't mean to say that Firefly Funhouse isn't wrestling because it's not actual physical wrestling, but it's also like the most pro wrestling thing that's ever happened. Well, uh, okay, let, let's let's elaborate. And then we, I don't want to get stuck on WrestleMania for too long. But did you like the Boneyard match more than like the Final Deletion or the Great War? Uh, yeah, I think because I, I feel like both of those are quite a bit better than the Boneyard match. Really, I, I don't mind saying that. Yeah, I think they play with the quirk, or at least did it first. I like I like these things turned up in quirk a little bit. Uh, Undertaker feels a bit more like. B movie and then I felt like the the Great War feels a bit more like on acid. Yeah, that's definitely a, a fair point I think. To me like the Boneyard match feels kind of like Undertaker starring in his own like <laughs> yeah. TNT action series or whatever from the from the mid 2000s. It's his oh, own I'm like Sorry to jump all over the place here, but are are you going to be watching the the Big Fucking Mox movie? Oh, for sure I am. Yeah. Like yeah, night one, right? Absolutely. Yes, we will have a popcorn premiere for that one, I would imagine. <laughs> um but you know, that's kind of the vibe it had was like Taker starring in an action TV series. Whereas, I agree. Whereas, yes, like things like The Great War and The Final Deletion do have more of a wrestling vibe to them. But uh, I think like part of the excitement was like, I didn't I didn't get to watch the final deletion live because I didn't watch TNA on sure, a weekly yeah, basis. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of knew what to expect going into that. And then when you go into the Great War, you already know what to expect because it's the sequel to something you already enjoyed. Nobody knew what a boneyard match was. You know, nobody even knew what a boneyard them. was. <laughs> and yeah. We only we thought it was where Roman Reigns lived. <laughs> The boneyard, and yeah, now folks, he's the big dog. Now I think if if they announced next year for WrestleMania that that, that Undertaker would be in another boneyard match, I think people would go nuts for that. I don't think you can go back to well for it next year, but I think people, I, I 
Can Undertaker just retire? This feels like a nice high point. Maybe put over one guy? I mean, yes. We, like, you already know the joke I'm going to make here because I've told it to you privately before. Go ahead. But they're premiering this The Last Ride oh, yeah. Taker documentary coming up after Money in the Bank on Sunday. <laughs> I'm really excited for it. I think the teaser that they put out after Mania Night 1 was spectacular. Yeah, Haley and I are definitely going to be watching that. But they're hyping it up like it's WWE's answer to The Last Dance. and. Yeah. I'm sorry, like, the the actual copy to hype this show, and I think some of the voiceover in the previews as well, is like, we follow The Undertaker in an unprecedented behind-the-scenes glimpse as the dead man prepares for the final match of his career against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. <laughs> and I heard that, and I was like... I don't even know what WrestleMania that was. I can't count <laughs> like how many WrestleManias ago? back that was. And that's his final match. That would be like if in the final episode of The Last Dance, Jordan and the Bulls decided, you know what? Let's keep this team together so we can go play horse against the insane clown posse in Saudi Arabia. What the fuck? Like, come on. No, hang on. Are you telling me you wouldn't watch Michael Jordan play horse against the insane clown posse oh, in I, Saudi Arabia? I for sure would. And MBS would get his money's worth for sure, too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In a way that Mohamed Solomon wants Yokozuna. He wants Yokozuna. He's getting Michael Jordan. That's, <laughs> that's what's happening here. And it's a game of horse. Now, where, where did it see clown posse enter the fold? I was just trying to pull some, you know, mid-90s uh, act that was tangentially related to wrestling. So, Well, you couldn't have picked a better one. I love I love insane clown posse's ties to wrestling, and I can't, I can't do this here. But only ECW, WCW, and WWE, they're in all of them. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Insane clown posse, the bad rappers, the clown fellas. And I see what I am really looking forward to with uh, The Last Ride is that like I've been very critical of the WWE Untold Network documentaries yeah. because when you like compare it to anything that any other sports league produces on the doc side whether it's NFL films or NBA films or ESPN films like the the network content just feels so cheap and lazy in comparison just on a visual level and like well, and it's more half-hearted. The other sports leagues are actually willing. You're seeing Michael Jordan in bad lights and he, in The Last but, Dance. But Michael Jordan is the executive producer. He I know, signed off he's on the executive producer and talking about it. WWE is just too protectionist. They're ne the Last Dance, I hope it's going to be good. There's no way I'm not going to watch The it. Last Ride, you but, mean. Or The Last Ride, sorry. It's going to be great. But there's no way they're going to do the access. Like, you're not going to see Undertaker putting steroids in his ass in 2001 trying to, you know, see if he still got it. No, like, but even just him, like, sitting down on his own couch in his own living room, to me, is a visual improvement on watching Untold. And it's like they get all these guests to talk about these historic moments, but they sit them down in front of, like, a lit white sheet. And it, yeah. it looks like a V. VH1 talking head show. It does not look like a compelling documentary. Yeah, and especially now, we're just getting hipper to what uh, high-end documentary filmmaking can look like, too. Like, not just with The Last Dance, but just streaming services in general needing content. Yeah, like, but, like, uh, did you watch the one that came out last week, right? Triple H and yep, Foley? Yep, I thought it yep. was really good, honestly. But, like... <sighs> 
Uh, Don't you feel like there's more to tell? Of you? course, yes. That's the thing. Like, they had good stuff. They only took it halfway, basically. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It feels a little listless, a little half-assed. Like, you're, they'll go so far, but until you're letting WWE, some, until WWE is handing it off and saying, oh, somebody else do the documentary and you have unlimited access, we're just not going to get it. Like, Triple H hated Foley coming in. This is out there. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, they, but they ha- and they have that footage, too. Like, the big thing about all the hype around The Last Dance is uh, film crew had unprecedented access inside the locker room that no NBA team has ever given and will has ever given since. Like, WWE films all that shit constantly. You yeah. see it in the Triple H Foley one. You've yeah. got the footage of Hunter pulling a piece of plywood out of his leg. You've got the footage of him exactly. telling an agent to go tell his mother in the audience that he's okay. Like, that is compelling footage, and they have that for so many moments across not just their own history, but probably the history of WCW as well. And I watch these things, and I just want them to do more. And hopefully so that's just, what the just last the drive name, will deliver. I hope so. Just in the name of keeping things moving, because there is so much to cover, I'm just going to say what I thought about WrestleMania, because I mostly agree with you, and then let's move on to the releases. Sure. I, I basically thought... It was about as good as they could have done. Like, it's kind of hard to compare to other WrestleManias. Yeah. Like, was it one of the best WrestleManias? Absolutely not. It's the best WrestleMania that ever happened in the performance center. It was a very memorable <laughs> show. Like, yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to forget watching that show. It's super novel. And listen, they, they went a little buck wild with it. WrestleMania was headlined by easily the weirdest thing to ever happen at a WrestleMania. Like, the last thing of night two was the Firefly Funhouse. Uh, that like, was not the last thing. Oh, no, sorry. Then they do Brock and Drew. But, okay, a huge moment on night two that is long is the weirdest piece of content they've ever put in on pay-per-view. And Josh, don't forget the actual secret main event. Oh, was, yeah. Was big show coming <laughs> out at to spoil Drew's big moment and say, I forgot. You want to be a fighting champion? Then fight me for the title after you just <laughs> won it right now. Yeah, well, listen, I, I actually, and we'll, of course, get into our, our booking discussions as we always do, but I couldn't understand how you don't put it on big show. Though. Oh, of it course. Yeah, like, of course. Have Drew McIntyre as a one second transition champion and hit the the KO punch. Well, and uh, <laughs> it's a big show. Canonically, show though, big strength. As we look back historically, we will remember Big Show versus Drew McIntyre as the Hell main yeah. event of WrestleMania. If you look at the Wikipedia page right now for WrestleMania 36, the final <laughs> match listed is Drew McIntyre versus Big Show. Is it really? It truly is. That is that is remarkable to me. I did not think that'd be the actual case. That is does that mean Wikipedia are the biggest marks on earth? I guess that so. Is... I felt really bad for Drew though, man. Like that's to me there were a couple things that I wish that they had held off on doing. Because sure. Burning Edge's return match in front of no audience, like that I I actually really enjoyed the finish of that match a lot more than uh, some people enjoyed it at all. Uh, sure. I thought it really kind of paid off its length in the final five minutes, which I thought were spectacular. Edge, Edge made me cry, honestly. I, I had tears at how good his performance was in the final moments of that match. And that's... I could sort of hear you, but if if you're going to have that compelling of a last five minutes, you have to have people have a, give them a reason to do the 30 before it. I was so checked out on that match by, by the time they got into the, the shit like the the transitional parts were just too many like the selling of punches and just walking to the next area was getting extremely routine for me yeah but that's like a problem with 
hardcore matches in general, right? Like whenever I, That's why they don't go 35 <laughs> minutes. Yeah, true. But as I was listening to people's <laughs> criticisms of that match and how it's like walking from one spot to another for however long, you know what I was reminded of, actually? Was you Golf and cards? I reviewing uh Saint Valentine's Day massacre on the Patreon. Oh interesting. Because okay, we can you jog my memory. Why is that? We talked about a hardcore title match which if I'm not mistaken was between Al Snow and Bob Holly. Yep, you're right. Yeah. And yeah, they yeah. went out into like the Mississippi River. There was crazy yeah. stuff in that match, but it was so boring because you could <laughs> feel them just walking from one spot to another for the whole Wasn't time. Wasn't it super dark at moments too? It, yes, was it like it was, legitimately hard to make out what was it happening? It was like pitch black in the middle of the night as they went out into the street. <laughs> and like when they get to the thing they're walking to, fun stuff happens, but there's so much like transit time throughout the match that I was just reminded of that and that's kind of a a problem with i guess the hardcore style in general but yeah i don't know um a couple other notes before we wrap up here on mania uh yeah i felt bad for drew i felt i I really had a a bad feeling about title changes in general from the beginning of night one when you open with that women's tag and i felt like the change there to put it on alexa and nikki just came across flat as can be like i got this sinking feeling in my stomach like oh no nothing's gonna have stakes nothing's gonna feel like it matters at all in this entire show but when braun beat goldberg i i popped huge man i that was a huge moment for me i thought that was amazing yeah i thought that one about as uh, well as possible i'd like to talk about the maybe the difference between those two and it's uh it's acting <laughs> you need to be able to not have your instinct to just sell people are still selling to the crowd with their belts it's it's insane to me yeah you have to look at edge look at his acting chops and how much dividends they pay in these empty arena times like these people need to be able to sell intensity looking at the belt and and you're right the the like joyful celebration like playing around it feels it feels so uncanny valley the the ironic thing about empty arena wrestling is it forces itself to take it more seriously i'm sorry to jump all over the place here but i was so surprised to see people dumping on the the jake hager uh big fucking mox match from a couple weeks i liked back. it because I think that's that's closer to the speed you need to be going in these empty arena matches, or at least it's something that I feel like I connect with better. Like, it works in the empty, this more paced, more shooty, for, I hate that term, but, but you know what I no, mean. No, I feel like uh, the people who are doing this really well right now are laying their shit in, they're working very stiff, yeah. and they're also talking trash for the entire oh fucking God, match. Like, why, like, think about why the... Uh, even the Boneyard match is so good. It's not just that it's fun and that it feels like a kind of action movie wrestling match. It's that AJ Styles and Undertaker both are running their mouths for the entire match, and the trash talk is tremendous. Oh, yeah. Like that, it's a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I feel like, you know, I, I did enjoy Mania, but when I look back on it, I'm also like, man, I really wish that maybe a good like half of the participants on that show had you know, worked a little harder, given it a little more, because I feel like a lot of Mania got outshone by a just throwaway match between Aleister Black and Apollo Crews on the Raw immediately afterwards. That match was better than half of WrestleMania, which should never be the case. And I liked WrestleMania. (laughs) 
Last thing on Mania, Madman. One one question, something that, frankly, I think has gone hugely under-talked about exiting it. In fact, I cannot believe that people are talking about this. This has not been the story. The story has been the PC. The story has been the No Arena. But what about two-night WrestleMania? No one's talking about this. We had the first night two-night two WrestleMania, the same year as the first two-night Wrestle Kingdom. I'm all in on this format. I, I was hesitant to it. I thought it was maybe a bad idea. I think this is the way to go. What say you? I mean, you'd have to rejig the way you handle TakeOver probably as well. But yeah, you got to have TakeOver on the front. And then I feel like that would be too much, honestly, because that would be six straight days. Because you, know, you can't do TakeOver on the Friday. That's the go-home SmackDown. You'd have to right. do the TakeOver on TakeOver's or Ordinary Night on Wednesday night and then do the Hall of Fame on Thursday night and then do SmackDown Go Home on Friday and then two nights of Mania and then Raw on Monday. That's you like your that's whole week. Much. That's a whole week, Josh. Dude, how much wrestling do you watch Mania weekend, Friday to Sunday, oh, generally? Oh, tons. <laughs> okay, so what are we talking about here? Yeah, I guess <laughs> you're you're, right. I guess you're, you're right. not going to make room for TakeOver no, in you're... Mania weekend. You're watching Kaiju Big Battle at 12.30 a.m. You're not going to stop. You're watching Final Battle. No, yeah. I'm telling you, you, you could put almost anything opposite TakeOver that weekend. I would still Yeah, watch you're it. right. Yeah, I, I missed you, man. I need you around to tell me when I'm full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and likewise. Okay, I'm gonna, I want to move on here because I think these, these releases... Again, I thought, and, and maybe it's nice to have the microphone back, because I, I think some people got it wrong on these releases in, in a lot of directions. Really? And I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, as the, I'm sure everybody knows now, but just a quick recap as WWE released. Maybe, Madman, give me, give me one word about these people, or a short thought about where you think they might end up, their chances. You want to do that as I go through these? Uh, sure, yeah, absolutely. Very brief, though, okay? Yeah. Kurt Angle. Uh, he's, he's retired, so there's nothing really lost there. Rusev. Huge loss. The, that's probably the most money left on the table in all of WWE in the last decade. Stinker call, right? Stinker. Awful. Now, what do you do with Rusev? What's your choice for Rusev? If I was advising him as his agent Yeah, right you're now, his manager or agent. Uh, I think a run in New Japan would be great for him, uh, but I don't think that's the long-term fit. I think if he went there for a year, he would have a ton of hype coming out of it, and then I would send him to AEW after the fact. I worry that Rusev is not a good enough ring wrestler for New Japan. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, there's some real Haas battles that I would be drooling over for him. Like Rusev versus Tomohiro Ishii, you're telling me you wouldn't be okay, on that's board for that? That's a cheat code. Cheat code. Anytime somebody leaves WWE, he's like, imagine I'm squared up with Ishii. It's like, yeah, I agree. It would rule. Rusev versus, let's say, Suzuki. Like, there's, there's some really... There's some... I I think people overrate Rusev as a worker. Yeah, I, what, what is Rusev's best? He match? doesn't have like the technical, but there is something that's very enticing about him on a power level to me. Even I if agree I don't with that. think he's and the best. His physicality. But then I worry this guy's the funniest guy on the roster. You put him in New Japan where he can't speak the language. Yeah, it's true. Maybe straight to AEW is the play. But I just feel like that's so overdone right now, as we've seen it from Mox. We're seeing it from Brody. We're probably if I'm about Rusev, to see it from I don't the, even consider AEW. Really? What would you do? If I'm advising Rusev, I'm going, hey, fella. Now, we're, we're talking about in a world when things are running again, mm -hmm. yes? Because mm -hmm. right now, where are you going to sign? Like, <laughs> there's nowhere we'll sign you. Uh, but if, if, if I'm Rusev, I'm looking at the indies and I'm going, good heavens, there isn't anyone. Nick Gage is the biggest star true. on the independents, the only non-exclusive wrestler. Who, who is the biggest non-exclusive wrestler on the indies? Uh... Yeah, probably Gage, and even he is There's, like very GCW associated. There is 
no There's one. There's really been a huge pilfering of all the indie talent. And you know what, man? I guarantee you that, like, Jeff Duncan, our buddy over at ECCW, like, yep. when the cuts came down, he's licking his chops to get his hands on Rusev. Come Dude, in here, work don't... a match against, like, Artemis Spencer. You tell me that wouldn't just blow up the Commodore? It'd be the biggest thing this city's ever seen. And guess what? He doesn't even have to put in a barn burner. He has to come to your local indie put on the accolade and yell Rusev Day and people are going bananas and just let you know Artie work his spots and and play to the hometown crowd you're right no there's there's a ton of money for him to be made on the indies right now but I would still think that he would want to land somewhere big and look you touched on it the guy's one of the funniest people in the entire industry you're right. to me AEW is a company that really understands wrestling comedy like I know that some people are out on it but I've enjoyed the bubbly bunch for the most part i think Britt baker is <laughs> it's hit and miss Britt baker to, to me is like the best thing in wrestling right now <laughs> honestly holy cow like i don't to, just because she's so entertaining i i look forward to Britt on dynamite every week because i know she's gonna make me laugh and rusev has that appeal like ultimately y- yes you're putting together a wrestling show but you're putting together an entertaining television product and uh rusev could do a lot for a lot of people yeah, he, he's money for, for wherever he lands. I don't really think there is that bad of a choice for him. Uh, okay, too long on Rusev. That was my bad. Drake Maverick. <sighs> uh, Drake Maverick. I hope he stays with WWE. I hope he wins yeah. this Cruiserweight tournament. I think yep. it is unbelievable cruelty if you put him through this storyline, which is basically maybe everyone's right, maybe I am a pathetic loser, and you have that be the end of his story as he walks out of the company. Are you kidding me? There's nobody... Like, he might be the most sympathetic figure in all of wrestling right now. The video that he put out yeah. the day that he got cut where he is just in tears talking about how this was his dream. Um, like, Spud rules, man. Like I Okay, let's be honest. He, he was working pretty hard there. I felt people were like, oh, this got me so emotional. He, he's working. Of course, yeah. It, got, it okay, did, okay. It did let's, work let's on me, clear. though. Like, dude, I just said Edge made me cry on WrestleMania. Do you think Edge That's wasn't right. working? Of course he was. Uh, uh, different. Edge is on television working. Drake <laughs> Maverick is making it appear over he's, a Twitter video yeah, in his dormitory. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I don't know why that would be the point of comparison. <laughs> when Edge is on television. Um, okay, uh, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Feel free to separate them if you like uh, uh to me i think exactly what you were just saying about working the indies it should be their deal oh. as a tag team because do they want to go back to call. japan right now absolutely not the reason that they came yeah, to people WWE keep in saying the first they're going to go back to bullet club exactly was, the reason they left is they didn't want to be in japan yeah they want to be with their families in north america uh like at the same time they really left bullet club when it blew up as like a t-shirt factory so they yeah. like the i always thought when they were just toiling in the undercard like being on main event basically in WWE i always thought right. like they must be backstage just killing themselves that they walked out on bullet club at a time when it just blew up as a money maker they could have been making crazy t-shirt merch money for the last 2 years instead they're making WWE no. road money which probably is even more <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that Bullet Club T-shirt money. Cody's actually spoken pretty openly about it. Like they get dick from really. 
Yeah, no, New Japan gets, like, the shirt money. They get, like, a very small piece of it, but no, that's why they were so quick to launch, like, their own shirts that look like the Bullet Club Well, shirt. then, fuck New Japan and fuck Hot Topic. There you go. I don't know about the Hot Topic deal, but the in, in the beginning, when, like, the Bullet Club shirt, like, the original one, <laughs> yeah, they've all talked about, like, it, I think Gallows and Anderson, may, I'm thinking it was Cody, but it might have been Carl's, uh, Carl and Gallows on Talking Shop, but, yeah, apparently there was not uh, a ton of cash to be made. Well, every indie uh, has a top guy, but they also have a top tag team absolutely and, and who better to bring in to work against them than the good brothers like i would i would love i would pay money to have my photo taken with the good brothers are you kidding me sure i sp- spent ten dollars to take a photo get an autograph whatever you know that'd be money well spent in my opinion i fuck i got a signed eight by ten from chase <laughs> owens on my wall right now you telling me i That's... wouldn't do the same thing for the good brothers of course i would <laughs> I think once you got Chase Owens on your wall, anything's on the table. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I got Festus. <laughs> hey, he um, made it out custom to Justin from Top Marks, so I hey, will never begrudge him anything. No, that is that is worth its weight in gold Absolutely. and means something to me as well. There's no doubt about it. Okay, Madman, EC3. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. I like him. I think he's more entertaining than he ever got a chance to show in WWE, but I don't know where the landing spot is for him. Maybe he goes back to Impact. Maybe he goes to ROH. I just I don't um, think there's anybody salivating over like EC3's work rate to really want to see him work the indies the way we were just talking about the other guys, right? He feels kind of obvious to me, actually, and you said it there. I, I think he actually feels kind of big time going back to Impact. He's one of the weird guys who actually feels like an Impact guy, which are which are rare. I actually think I'm not saying I'm tuned into Impact if EC3's on it. But I, I probably would for his return, man. honestly. Yeah, I, I think I think I, again. I was surprised to not see that more. It's like that feels like a pretty natural pairing. He never felt like a WWE guy. They never his the ladder match in NXT is his high point. Am I wrong? Oh, easily. Like that. That's the most the biggest spotlight he ever got, which was weird to me because he always felt like a WWE guy. You know? Yeah, he has the body that Vince would go crazy yeah. for. Okay, Madman, I think I know what you're going to say about this fella. I think you see stardom in his future, but you gotta you got to put it on the line and tell me what's happening with Kurt Hawkins. I knew it was going to be Kurt Hawkins with that hype. <laughs> uh, man, I think he – I don't know that he need, necessarily needs to work at this point, you know? Like he's he, – I mean, Well, he, that, that's good news. That's good. As far that's as, like, good. in-ring work, I think, like, that's a guy who can – hit like the convention circuit and just have a yeah. have a good time making appearances and stuff or maybe like if if Zack Ryder is going to end up in AEW as uh, a good friend of Cody's perhaps then maybe uh maybe Hawkins rides along as well because let's be real like I think they've found a, a solid niche for guys like QT Marshall to be like the guy in the nightmare family who takes the pins all the time. But yep. but like Kurt Hawkins could be that for any number of different stables in AEW as well. So not to say that everybody's going to end up in AEW because obviously it doesn't work like that. But uh, I, I could see him going you know there to be I'm a job guy. Is? And if not there, then I don't really see him going anywhere. You know who I'm calling from Kurt Hawkins? Who? I'm picking up the phone and I'm calling my old buddy Rhino. And I'm saying, no, I'm just getting that tease later. <laughs> uh, no, Kurt Hawkins has no future. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I I can't imagine. He feels a bit like when Darren Young got released to me. It's like, oh, I don't know. who wants Who's looking for those services? He's not an indie guy at all. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, even even as in like a QT Marshall role, I think he'll probably want more money than that role will get. I, I don't know. Do you have interest in Kurt Hawkins get pinned on TV? Like that was literally his gimmick for a while. Not really, but I like I said, like he could make decent money just going to different like comic conventions across the continent. Honestly, That's, yeah, 
I think that's the move. Okay, Madman, I think the the, the greatest mistake of all these, uh, the person I would keep if, if I were uh, doing these releases but I had to keep one, I would have kept Leo Rush. I think this is... Uh, if I'm any of these companies, I'm licking my chops to get Leo Rush. Uh, yeah, man. And Leo Rush tweeted a couple weeks ago that he might never wrestle again. What? Yeah, he uh, he said this might be it. And maybe that's just a, a, a statement to draw attention to his release because I think he's definitely somebody whose name could have gotten lost in the shuffle when you cut so many people at once. Oh, that is depressing to but, me. That uh, is depressing to hear. If you have not seen... Leo Rush's CZW work. If you've not seen him wrestle Marty Skrull or Joey Janela in his ladder match, Leo Rush, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to go off for a sec here, JMO. Leo Rush is such a good example of a principle in pro wrestling I like, which is do a simple move better than a flashier move. Like, all due respect to Ricochet, he's obviously an incredible wrestler, right? An unbelievable in ring performer. But you see the 630 once. Who's that? Ricochet. Uh, I don't think I'm familiar the tag with team. who that is. The tag team, War Machine. S- sorry, who who's that? <laughs> like, uh, I, I I just think it. I don't know. You brought him up like he would be someone on TV I'd be familiar with. You know, he lost. He's he's you know he's taken a couple losses recently. A, a so couple. Thought oh, it's a hard time. A couple losses. But but you see Ricochet do the six thirty and you go, oh my goodness, that is that's really yeah. hard to do. Yeah, that's I, I, I see execution. Ricochet do anything and I'm like, that's one of the greatest athletes in any sport on the planet. It's amazing. But I prefer Leo Rush's frog splash. I prefer Leo Rush jumping ten feet into the air and getting absurd hang time. There's something that feels more unreal about it. And Leo Rush's hang time and ability to get vertical on moves is unparalleled. I can't think of someone else who does it. I think Leo could really benefit right now from going to Europe. Interesting. Uh, because I feel like You want his... him to die of COVID? Is that what you're saying? No, I just think his style meshes more with like the the European style than say going to Japan right now. So if he were to go work for like OTT or um I can't remember Rev the Bro. name of the company, the one in uh, in Scotland that uh, Mox was going to wrestle um, uh, David Starr for. Oh, um, uh, not High Top, but uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, just and yeah, Rev Pro, like he would be a perfect fit with a lot of those uh, light heavyweight divisions. Where like, yes, he could go to Japan and he would be a, a spectacular super junior, but. Uh, does he really fit that company as well as he might like culturally mesh well with some European things? And like, let's be real, the European indies are pretty <laughs> fucking popular, and yeah, and there's so many different companies in such a tight uh, like geographic area that you can fly over there for two weeks or so and work a show pretty well every single night. So. Uh, I don't know that that's the the most profitable plan for a lot of these guys, but to me, there's just something about his style that that kind of clicks for. Uh, Me, you said it in there. I'd love him as a Best of the Super Juniors tournament entrant. I think that would be really exciting to me. Uh, JMO, I lied to you. There's just too many people here for us to go on. There's just too many. We can't comment on all of them. I'm going to give you two more. Okay, but I want to make a grand comment about the whole thing when we're when we're done going over. You you got it. Here, there's two more. I'm gonna the ones that affect the show most. Sarah Logan. She's got to be back, right? They've mentioned her so much. It's inhumane to tease it and to not. Like it really feels like at the pay per view this week when they do the title match between Viking Raiders and uh, and the Street Profits that she's going to be the one who tips the scale in favor of the Raiders to take the belt because they need somebody to counterbalance Bianca and like a ton of people went to bat for her after she got cut 
And I understand why she would get cut. Like, they didn't use her on TV very much, and when they did, it was very much in a job role. But she's better than that, man. Like, she can work. She is a good wrestler. Uh, she's not a great wrestler, but she's a good wrestler. And uh, especially when you're, you know, <laughs> have the same gimmick as your husband and his tag team partner, like, it's just natural to keep yeah. her around. Listen, Sarah Logan's not, like, some unbelievable in-ring talent. But you know what Sarah Logan is? Reliable, solid, has a really clear gimmick, and fits well with a faction. Like, yes. that's not worth keeping around? Yeah. How, how many people on the roster can you say? I don't know. I, and I, also, I, I feel like in the last month, they have really leaned hard into the mythology of the Riot Squad. Yeah, with no a, shit. With a level of importance that they never put on them when they were an actual <laughs> yeah, yeah. act together. Yeah, the, the Riot Squad didn't put this much importance on the Riot Squad at any point in time. <laughs> and, Jamo, we'd be remiss to, to, not, to not touch on the guy who I think this one was probably the nearest and dearest to your heart. I, again, we haven't t- spoken specifically about this, but I know the release of Tino's Abitale must have hit you hard. Am I am I right about this? <laughs> this is a guy you've been hot on for what? How, what four years? You always no, said to, like that's one that I fully agree with. Like there's oh. there are there's a ton of people who got let go who let's be honest, we're being warehoused. And WWE has been doing this for years. And I'm glad you brought up a joke person like this because this can let me launch into the rant that I wanted to fire off. Can anyways. I just say one thing about Tino quickly? Sure. I think maybe another three, four years in NXT, he might have had something. <laughs> and that's all I got to say about that. Sorry, j What would you have no, to say? No, there's like people like that who have been so <laughs> How obvious. How long have been in NXT? <laughs> they've been so obvious like that they had no future, that they were just going to be in NXT forever. But WWE refused to cut anyone. Like, Josh, I don't have the numbers in front of me necessarily at the moment, but I think if we looked over the entire list of people who were either released or furloughed when these cuts came down, it would be more than 25 people, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, and I looked back at the list of cuts from years previous and how many people had been let go by the company in 2019 and 2018 and 2017. Like, you have to go back to the day that, uh, like... Who was all let go in one fell swoop? I think you just mentioned it. Uh, the um, what's his name from uh, from primetime players? Uh, oh, uh, Darren Young. Darren yeah. Young. It was Darren Young and uh, yeah, there was three Emma or four and Summer Ray, and there yes. was someone else that day as well. Like you have to go back to that day to find a day where mass cuts came down because a lot of the releases in recent years have been people who are holding out people like Neville people like uh you know any number of people who've requested their releases over the last little yeah, while the countless and when you look at like the people who were fired for misconducts whether that's Big Cass or Enzo or really just those two <laughs> like when you look back at how many people got released in recent years, it's maybe one person who like was just let go because they didn't see anything in them. They yeah, have they've been, been hoarding talent. They've been perfectly content to hoard and warehouse people, which I'm sure is frustrating for the people who sign these deals and are not being used necessarily, but I think those people knew that might happen when they signed them because what they were signing for was not necessarily artistic freedom, was not necessarily to be the main eventer of WrestleMania. It was for economic security. And if you're going to wear warehouse people like that with no intention of ever doing anything with them because they are solely looking for economic security you cannot it is so unconscionable it is fucking unethical in the middle of a pandemic to say sorry we got nothing for you get the fuck out of here because is wwe losing money at the moment because they're not running shows no AEW is WWE is not. In fact, their touring schedule lost them money. If anything, they're doing better right now than they were before. 
they're making a billion dollars this year almost entirely because of their TV rights contract. So, like, they are in no position to say economically we're hurting and we had to make these moves. This is fucking callous. This is the most heartless shit imaginable. It's inexcusable to, to really... Like, even the people who had requested their release, even a Mike Kanellis, who, like, months ago was unhappy and said he wanted to get let go, he got his wish when the cuts came down. But that wasn't him getting his wish, actually, Josh, because... Nobody wants to be released in the middle of a pandemic. You want to be let go so you can go work somewhere else. Where are you going to work right now? Well, yeah, and I mean, he basically said that, right? I think Mike Canellis came out, did an interview, and was like, well, here's yeah. you know, how Talk it's affecting Talk to Sean me. Ross Sapp at Fightful, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure this is no surprise to you, but I you know, I uh, echo your thoughts there. I think it's uh, pretty, pretty gross uh, that there's people out there defending this behavior. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen it everywhere. It's like, listen, they, they've got to make money, too. It's, you know, if it makes business, it makes sense. It's like... Oh, wow. Okay. Do you feel that way about your job? Like, do you feel, I got it. Like, I'm just curious. Do you, what do you do? Like, do you want that applied to your place of work? It's like, well, especially who cares that they're human beings. I, I, it's like, what are you talking about? It's, it's so crazy to me. Especially the timing because these cuts came down. Well, that's like, what I'm talking about. The yeah, day after that they had just used, like we are, we were looking at naked political corruption. A super PAC controlled by Linda McMahon decided to spend something like $26 million in advertising money in the Florida primary, entirely supporting Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And at the same time that that decision was made, what did Ron DeSantis decide to do? Declare WWE an essential business so that they could continue running at the Performance Center. You have just secured yourself as an essential business that can continue operating and continue to just rake in money off these TV deals. And the very next day you say, we're essential. We brought you here to risk your life and potentially be exposed to this thing. We brought you in, you know, uh, Sarah. We brought you in uh, No Way Jose. All these people who were barely even on the show. We (laughs) flew you in for TV on Monday. Oh, by the way, it's Tuesday. You're fucking fired. (laughs) Fuck you. Like, outrageous. Outrageous to me. Do you think it's possible that Tino Sabatelli and Daniel Bryan might have been in the same NXT class? Is that <laughs> is that possible? <laughs> no, JMO. Of course, I I echo your sentiments here. It's it's corruption at the highest level. It's very on its face. It's it's immoral. You use the word callous, which really is just the the way that uh, that I would surmise it. Or but you know what else I would do rather than surmise it, JMO? What would you do? I would kick it. You know, I love to kick things. I love to get rid of them with my foot. And it, it reminds me of a segment we used to do around these parts called uh, Keep It or Kick It. Hit the music. Madman, I'm sure you know the rules of uh, Keep It or Kick It. Do, do you remember them, I should ask? We haven't done this show this year. I think so. I think if I like something, I want to keep it. And if I don't like it, I want to kick it. Nah, you've got it all wrong, Madman. I'll explain it from the top. What Keep It or Kick It is, it's a game where I, Josh Custodio, write down 20 to 25 musings from the pro wrestling world at large, across rosters, across federations. And I asked J- Justin Morissette, does he want to keep the item? Which means he likes it, he loves it, he wants some more of it. Or wants to kick the item, which means he hates it, he despises it, or he never wants to see it again. Now do you understand the rules, Justin? Yeah, I think that's a much longer version of saying what I said. But uh, Yeah, I, I wasn't listening. I've missed listening to your dulcet tones, so I'll allow it. <laughs> I appreciate that, Madman. So let's jump in with the first vote, J-Bo. Keep it or kick it. Hangman Adam Page's entrance music. I love it. It's the best theme in AEW. Keep it hard. Adam Cole being a babyface as he's booted from the Undisputed Era. Ooh. 
I think it's time. Like, I think that's part of why NXT is so boring to me, is that, that uh, the ruling faction has just been kind of uh, on a stuck alignment for what feels like years now. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm not enthusiastic, but I will say keep it. Kazuchika Okada regaining his IWGP heavyweight title in the year 2020. Kick it. 2020 is the year of LIJ. Woo! Uh, Wardlow eating his first loss in the next month to Lance Archer. Ooh. You know what? That's a great idea. I yeah, was you, when you, you said who's Ward- the big man, you know? Yeah, when you said Wardlow losing, I was gonna say kick it immediately, but then when you said to Lance Archer, I don't think Wardlow loses any of his allure in doing that. And it you, it does set a big man power ranking pecking order. That, it's like Lance Archer is the hoss of hosses. And he should be. So yeah, keep it. Daniel Bryan's current run. Keep it. Really loving it. Man, the guy is having so much fun. And he is just elevating all the people that he likes to work with. Like, how could you not enjoy <laughs> what he's doing right now? Is it main event Daniel Bryan that I hope to see again down the line? No. Am I enjoying the fuck out of it? Absolutely yes. Keep it. Reminds me of somebody else we're getting to very shortly here, but not yet, as the next prompt is The Fiend turning babyface in the year 2020. I think you have to lean into it at some point. I think it's almost time now, to be honest. Uh, I think he can probably keep it going as a heel for as long as they're not working in front of crowds. But, like, you can't deny the reactions that this guy gets from live audiences. So, uh, in the year 2020, um, Savannah, uh, <laughs> I don't know why my um sounded like the opening line of The Lion King there. Yeah, shouts out to The Lion King. <laughs> What, that, now that's a song. Yeah. You know what that song's called? Well, I had no idea. It's called A Serenia. <laughs> <laughs> I love how people just make up gibberish every single time they sing that part. Yeah. yeah. No, a song's called uh, The Circle of Life. <laughs> I think you can hold off for the year 2020, but by 2021, absolutely he must be a babyface. Kenny Omega as a tag team wrestler. Kick it. Like, he's good. He's very good at whatever he wants to do. But this company needs him to be a top guy. Like, desperately needs him to be a top star babyface. It's getting to the point of, like, almost obstinance with him. Don't you feel like? I felt like like this week was a step in the right direction for Kenny. I agree. It's tough for me to shit on him after the performance in the main event at Dynamite this week, which I thought was just a barrel of fun. But, uh, But on whole... It's almost like Kenny Omega doesn't believe in Kenny Omega as much as Josh Custodio believes in Kenny Omega. Or he doesn't want, he doesn't want to be perceived as how how much Justin Morissette believes in Justin Morissette. Maybe you know. There you go. Maybe maybe that's it. But <laughs> I, I thought our, our uh, Matt Reynas, our, our friend and listener, uh, put it really well in the Patreon chat the other day. He was saying that that he thinks Cody suffers from a little bit of like overpresentation and booking himself a bit too much in the circle spotlight. But Omega's the other side of that coin. We're almost being like too humble and like really shying away from the EVP label and not booking yourself strong enough. And I thought that was a point well made. And I, something I do feel about Kenny Omega I, as well. I'm very ready for top guy Kenny Omega. I agree with Matt Reynas, and I agree with you and I when we made the same point on the year end top marks five months ago. <laughs> I can't remember that. I don't remember anything from 2019. Uh, let's talk about it, Madman. Charlotte Flair in NXT. Kick it. I fucking hate it so much, man. There, There is such a 
just a long line of women in that division who don't get TV time at the best of times, and you're going to put Charlotte there to hope that you beat AEW in the ratings, which you're not going to, by the way, and also... Like, just use this as a distraction to keep her out of the title picture on the main roster. I think it's disastrous booking, and I really was upset that Rhea lost the match. Are you ready to see? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, never mind. No, I, I'm done with it, too, for the record. I, no time. Uh, Madman, here's one I think you might shy away from and then dwell on. I don't mean to lead you in one direction, but Joey Janela turning heel in AEW. I, I would say... Like turning heel uh, at any time or turning heel like right now? Let's say turning heel sometime in the next three months. I think AEW is actually short on baby faces right now. I think they have I agree. Uh, a great many heels and not enough faces to face them. Uh, and Joey, I feel like we haven't gotten the definitive run yet. I, I thought like not this week close. taking on Cody might have been his most high profile usage to date because typically he's been a dark guy so far. And, uh, Which is crazy. Joey Janela is such an underrated in-ring performer. It boggles the mind to me. The The guy has countless good matches, but because he has lead ass and looks unathletic doing it, people just don't don't connect with it. I feel like he should stop wearing tights. I feel like he should be a, a, a wrestling jeans guy, maybe. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Although I did really like his leopard uh, tights from AEW this week. I, I thought those I in too. particular were cool. I just feel like the people who like dump on his legs and like his physique or whatever, it might not be as noticeable if you had him wearing just pants. But but I just don't I just don't get why. Like it's like Mick Foley <laughs> makes matches good in the same way. Like things look more yeah. effectual without hang time. And like, Mick looks like a fucking sack of potatoes. So yeah, who cares can, what Joey looks like physically? Yeah. And if you were looking for like a modern analog for that match style, was it not Mick Foley oh, to Joey Janela? Absolutely, yes. So what the fuck are we talking about? Yeah, like yeah. I, I'm not saying you, but I'm saying people in general. I, I don't get it. Like. Who had more good matches in AEW so far, Joey Janela or Kenny Omega? It's Joey, go look that easily, up. but like yeah. by a landslide. <laughs> like, he might be Omega's best AEW match. He is for sure. Maybe not better than Mox. No, actually, yeah. Mox. But that's uh, that was a, a lights out match, actually. So that yeah, doesn't so. count. It was unsanctioned. It doesn't necessarily uh, apply to someone's record overall. <laughs> the no. name, the Revolt. Uh, kick it. I don't like it. Especially because there's already an indie team who's been using that name for the last, like, four years. Oh, I wasn't aware of It would of be that. like if there was already a podcast called Top Marks when you and I decided to launch Top Marks. We would never. That's, <laughs> that is beneath us. And that you would even imply it is frankly rude. I would not... You think if there was another podcast called Top Marks, I would start a podcast called Top Marks? <laughs> we would never. In a Only if the years. other one really sucked. There was like five jamokes in one room talking over a mic, shouting over one another. And they did an episode once every five months or something. We would yeah, never like, do yeah. anything like that. Yeah, you, you better edit this out. <laughs> okay, uh, next the next one here, Joe. E EC3, Ethan Carter the Third signing with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Oh, wow. Tell me he's not the sort of guy Jin they would fall in love with. I do think, yeah, that even if he couldn't speak, the audience there would be very receptive to him. I just don't know that he has the work rate necessarily to not. be successful there. So I'm going to say kick it. But it was a very intriguing option that I'd never thought of before. So job well done on your part. Zelina Vega's pronunciation of Aniel Garza. Uh, keep it. I love everything that Zelina is doing right now. She is, like, the reason to watch Raw right now. Uh, okay, so first of all, you're right. She's magnificent. Los Governadores de Performance Center are fantastic. But Selena Vega 
says every time she introduces Andrade. Andrade! This wonderful pronunciation. And then for Daniel Garza, she just the way just to give her Andrade and Angel Garza. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. It's Aniel. It's weird, yeah. I know. Angel. But you are right. She she is she she's an Raw's MVP right now. Uh, Oscar's giving her a run on that front, but yeah, I do think it's the two of them and Britt Baker right. as like the most entertaining people going in wrestling at the moment. But listen, that's that's not a lot of star power that gives Lena Vega to work with, and that's been a core of Monday Night Raw for what? And they lose a month now? every match, and you're yeah. still intrigued by them week after week. So you got to yeah. give her credit for sure. Uh, an empty arena match in 2021. So going back to the gimmick, once uh, presume, this is okay. So let's say 2023, something where everyone's allowed back in arenas. They go back to the gimmick. Can we ever go back to an empty arena match again? I think so. Yeah, I think there is. I think there is a certain appeal to it if you do it the right way. You know, you have to. Uh, I think. I think Mox and Hager did it the right way. I think. Uh, I th- obviously like Rock and Mankind is a classic, and that wasn't because of a pandemic. That was just because. Uh, we're working opposite the Super Bowl here. Nobody's going <laughs> to fill an arena. Let's just do this thing. Uh, but, I like, yeah, there's a way to do it and have it be super fun, you know? Like, um, is it the the best move? Because I do feel like it will bring back some bad memories for people. Probably not, so I will say kick it. But uh, there is an argument for keep it, too. Jimmy Havoc. <laughs> keep it. You know? Oh, keep no, it. No, yes, I think he is a very effective heel. Especially now that he's like a leather daddy and not like a goth psycho killer or whatever his gimmick he was looks initially. Like shit. Come on, yeah, he does. He but he looks like shit. Yeah, but like, do you not want to see him get beat up in every match that he's in? He's I like, don't want to see him on my TV. Especially like as part of a heel stable with Kip's eight. Like, I think he's made Kip and and um, uh, Penelope much more interesting yeah. than they were before. Hey, th- this is these are your answers. Champion Braun Strowman. Uh. It's tough to say because I feel like if Roman was here, it could be good, you know? Interesting. And I'm not entirely out on the Bray feud even, though I do think Braun's acting has been very questionable on a week-to-week basis. Questionable? But, like, I loved his title win, man. I got giddy. I was, like, so excited at the shock of that finish because I thought there was no way they were going to do that. They've just... And and they set it up to make you feel that way, too. That match very much plays with your expectations and memories of times that they just fed Braun to Brock without letting him get any offense in at all. And then they had him hit five finishers in a row and win the belt, and I thought it was awesome. So Braun as a champion winning the belt, I thought it was rad. As a champion having the belt going forward... I'm not digging it, so I will say kick it, but I do feel like like him and Roman work so well together, and there would be a compelling feud there, but uh, sorry I said the name that I'm not supposed to say, Vince. My apologies. (laughs) Penelope Ford is an in-ring performer. Keep it. I think she's great. I think she's so good, man. I think she is very, very underrated in that women's division. And finally, Drew McIntyre promos. Keep it. Yeah, I actually think he's kind of, like, overperformed in a couple of these uh, promo segments to the empty arenas. Yeah, I think he's doing really well. I think that's, like, the biggest success WWE can hang their hat on right now is that you have done the thing that you could never do for years and years and years, which is establish a compelling top babyface that actually connects with your audience. So uh, I can't knock him for that.
And that was Keep It or Kick It. Pretty long edition of Keep It or Kick It, if we're being honest. But you know what? I enjoy well, it. I'm not going to be honest. That was a really, really short edition of Keep It or Kick It, don't you think? <laughs> well, that was... I just that came and went. Yeah. I mean, relative to the way time has passed in quarantine, <laughs> I would say that was extremely fast. I felt like you kept something, you kicked something, and then here we are. <laughs> So it felt to me. Madman, we got a question this week. We from did. I was going to say, uh, I was going to say, let's go to the mailbag as a joke because we didn't even tell anyone we were recording this. Yeah, and we shouldn't. I think this should just pop up in people's feeds. Yeah, it's a nice surprise, like Braun winning the Universal title. Will it come out before Money in the Bank? It definitely I, will. Like, yeah, it will. It will. Okay, we'll talk about it then. Uh, hey, Top Marks Pod from our dear friend Craig Tamble at Fruits Redible. Uh, hey, Top Marks Pod, we all know that Rick Rude sold the Atomic Drop better than anyone, and what he's referencing here is a wonderful Twitter account, which is nothing but uh, Rick Rude selling the Atomic it's Drop. The, it's the best account on Twitter right now, and I it's think phenomenal. people who don't even like wrestling would feel that way. I'm yeah, <laughs> I absolutely think you're right. <laughs> what random move would you want to be known for selling the best? I mean, The Rock is the best stunner sell. Easily. Yeah, that's a fun one. Like being a famous big finisher, so like a finisher everyone knows, and you're the best one of that. Yeah, I think I think taking like a back body drop, and then like selling like your spine exploded afterwards would be like I think I would have a lot of fun doing that. Honestly, that's a fun one. Yeah, because you get the big sell afterwards too. Yeah, just like <laughs> flail all my limbs and then grab my back like my spine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think a fun one would be uh, the clothesline from hell. It's a it's a finisher that people remember, and if you do like the you know how uh, Kyrie Sane sort of explodes in on her uh, on the elbow, mm-hmm. like folds in half and re explodes. Paul London takes it a little bit like that, like he like folds in and falls on his back. Something like that, I think, would be really fun. Like to take a strike and just like implode and collapse. That that's my answer. Like, even the way AJ took the spear from Edge at the Rumble to me was like very reminiscent of the way people used to take the clothesline from hell like doing I the agree. full flip over the guy yeah that's uh, it's a that's a great pick actually deep reach on that one but i enjoy it so that does it for uh, all of our questions this week <laughs> on uh, this episode of top marks uh, but James, you and talk i got a little bit of money in the bank we, well you and i got questions for each other don't we which is uh like how are you feeling about how the shows are handling quarantine right now you know, man, it, it it is so hard to speak at large about this stuff for me, you know? Like, wrestling for me right now, it really depends on if I feel like it or not. Like, some some nights for Dynamite, it's like we settle in for dinner, and it's like, oh, my goodness, we're going to watch Dynamite. This is so comforting. I, uh, I'm excited to watch wrestling. It's nice to have some normalcy. But it's a little bit like when I see my friends or family during this stuff, too, and I have to have them at arm's reach. It's like this this diet version of it that kind of just reminds me of the real thing sometimes, too. Like, it plays for me in two really different ways. Um, so I'm thankful that it's on. Uh, and I've, I've there's definitely been parts I've enjoyed. Uh, Dynamite and Raw, I think, have had, like, sort of best-case scenarios during this. I've enjoyed both, both shows on whole. There's obviously been low points, and we're not doing the show week to week right now, so I can't. I have to speak on grander scale. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think on whole, those two shows have been mostly compelling and 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 very often i'm thankful for the comfort and the pattern to watch them how about you uh i agree yeah i i don't necessarily look forward to them on the same way that Mm. i wish i did 
for me, I'm getting that feeling right now from Dark Side of the Ring, and that's oh, yeah. about it. Like, Sunday nights is for The Last Dance, Tuesday nights is for Dark Side of the Ring, and uh, I'll watch wrestling whenever I watch it. You know, like, I'm not yes. in a rush to watch Raw on Monday night. I'll catch it whenever I catch it. Lately, Dude, Dark I've been Side watching... is such P1 television. Yeah, it late... is like. Whew. Lately, I've been watching SmackDown and Dynamite back to back on Saturday morning, which is oh, a nice. bit of a wait to like not watch Dynamite for three nights in a row. But um, I, I made an exception this week because I was really excited to see them back live and what that was going to look like. So yeah. I did. I did watch last night's uh, relatively quickly, as quick as I could. I I do think, and I I was alluding to this earlier in the show. I do think that Dynamite is just handling it better than WWE in general. And in, the in what be- ways? Give me some specifics. In the beginning. I didn't necessarily like that they had wrestlers in the audience because I was like, well, there's no way that those people are two meters apart from each other. And right. you also had like audience members grabbing on to baby faces to set them up for heel moves and stuff like that. And it's like, you're just introducing all this unnecessary touching at a time when we're not supposed to be touching anybody. <laughs> so I didn't really like that necessarily, but I feel like my mind is kind of relaxing quarantine rules a little bit. Like I'm not using hand sanitizer as much as I was a month and a half ago. Oh, I got to get there. And so when I see things like people in the AEW audience only being a meter apart from each other instead of two meters, like it doesn't set off alarm bells in my mind the way it did early on. But <laughs> yeah. having a crowd, even if it's just your roster, having people react to things I think is so important because like, especially this past week when it was a, a bigger audience than it had been when they were doing the, uh, the studio shows, wherever they had taped that run of tapings, uh, it felt bigger. It, it the noise felt bigger. You were getting real chance. You were getting real reactions during matches, which made it feel more normal than just about anything else we've seen from WWE, especially of late, because yeah. that's the problem for me. Like, yeah, we talked about earlier with WrestleMania that you you need to work stiff and you need to talk throughout the entirety of it because you need to remember that you're promoing during matches because no one can hear anything else. But there's also, like, a way to work around that. You don't need to do it that way. You do have all these people in the PC that you can just put out in the crowd and say, react to things the way you would react. You know, that's (laughs) all you need for it to not feel so, uh, like, antiseptic or... I don't. I can't remember the kind of the word I'm reaching for right now. But that's like, okay. It happens. Yeah, uh, it just feels like uh, clean in an inhuman way. You know, like it. And it's yeah. it's depressing. It reminds you like of too sterile. Yeah, sterile. That's the word I was going for. Um, uh, whereas like AEW, not they do have a crowd. Like to me, the silence of WWE takes me out of it. Whereas like in a bad way. Whereas like when AEW acknowledges how weird everything is right now, I actually find that comforting in a way that I don't get from WWE pretending that everything is fine, you know? Yeah, okay, I, I got two things to say here. First of all, I want to be clear that I think the the wrestlers at ringside is on whole a net positive. I think it's a good decision. I think it does breathe life in, in the way you're saying. But there have been a handful of moments where it's been like, straight up strange i thought i thought on last night's great episode of dynamite like having the dark order just 
beating on Mox. And, and nobody at ringside does anything to help. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like you got seven on one, and there's like you've been seeing these six baby faces in the crowd the Whereas, whole show. I don't know if it was five minutes before or five minutes after, but we had like Brit attack uh, yes. Brandy and then hop into the ring. I, I loved that moment, but if you're showing that people can come out of the crowd to, to it's like, do okay, things. So here's, then, and it's like everyone hates the Dark Order. So many people have had moments with them, too. Yeah. And then it's like if they haven't had that, they probably like SCU. They just got me. So like moments, and there's been a Another one, too, that is escaping my mind right now. But there have been a few where I was like, eh, but I think the trade-off's worth it. Okay, I'm going to float something I, here. I did Everyone like, hates this idea. Hang on. Everybody, okay, hang on, go Josh. Ahead. I did yeah. really like, last night especially, how they divided it up by alignment. All the heels were yeah. on one side of the arena, and all the baby faces were on the other. Because, like, sure, why wouldn't Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida hang out and be friends <laughs> yeah. outside They're of the ring? Guys. Like, why, why wouldn't they? I got no problem with that. In fact, that's the kind of thing. What have we complained about consistently for fucking three years on this show now? Almost everything. Well, yes, but like long-term storytelling. WWE keeps everything separate all That's the time. It. Yeah. Whereas, like, when you put them in the crowd, it's like, oh yeah, of course these people interact this way. They share a locker room every week. Like, of course the evil people are gonna like the evil people, and the good people are gonna like the good people. That's just how things work. Yeah, like, how it things makes work. Sense. Those are the rules. Exactly. Okay, so now I'm going to say anything, and everyone hates me for saying this. I haven't had one person who thinks this is a good idea, but I, I'm standing by it. Sometimes okay. you got to plant a flag. Okay. I want WWE, and hey, experiment with it in NXT, because then you can do it no stakes. You do it for one episode, you find out on NXT, and then we find out if it works. Yeah, it's not like anyone's uh, watching NXT anyway. That's right. hey <laughs> I am ready for the non-live SmackDown audience noise piped in era. I'm ready for it. Ooh. I am ready to just hear crowd noise, even though I know it's manufactured and not live. And I know they're going to blow it up and make like the big moments seem way bigger than they are. I know all those things are going to happen. I'm still willing to experiment with it and see if I enjoy these things more with that in play. I think you're onto something there. I don't hate that actually because that it's like What's the, the harm in trying. It's the wrestling equivalent of having a a laugh track on a sitcom. Like I That's do, exactly it. It does feel helpful to have audience reaction that is like instructive as far as how you're meant to feel about things well and hey listen maybe it sucks a lot of laugh tracks sucks and on the non-live smackdown days it sucked but but what's the harm that you why not at least find out if it might make these things feel a little bit more normal yeah because that's like what i was gonna say when we were talking about real sports at the beginning of the show as far as like if baseball or hockey come back without audiences yeah like imagine like yeah, I mean, we can have this conversation about wrestling, too. Like, you know, pick any big pop in history, like all the big moments that you remember and love from way back Let's use when. Kawhi's, Kawhi's basket from last year. Yeah, yeah, but even a wrestling moment. Even like oh, sure. pick, a, pick a huge pop. like Daniel Bryan getting the, the, the both belts at 30. Yeah, or like Jericho debuting on Raw. Okay, sure. let's go with something like that. Like those are historic pops. You remember, like your memory of how great those moments are are very much tied into how how insane the crowd is going. And so it's true. I really feel like even if they come back and do like a Stanley Cup playoffs or whatever this year, the big moments are going to feel like shit because it's going to be dead silent. And I really don't think people are going to want to tune in and watch that week after week. So uh, I think you're onto something. Maybe, maybe, maybe real sports should look at piping in crowd noise as well because it will make it feel more normal. And I really do think that that is something that people are looking for right now. At a minimum, how fucking insane is it that 
they used to do it, and now that they did to make the crowd sound better, and now that they don't have crowds, they don't do it. Everybody thinks I'm crazy for this idea, but I, I feel like I'm the only one not on pills. Like they used to do it, like now there is no audience, they won't do it. I, I don't get it. No, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. How about you? How about what? What's been the show of quarantine for you? Uh, I mean, like I said, definitely Dark Side, which is like, you know, we were talking about network documentaries earlier. Oh, sorry. I meant, I meant of like the, the wrestling I know, shows. I know, I know. But give me okay. a second. Because Dark yeah. Side of the Ring is like the perfect WWE network content that WWE would never make for themselves. Of ever. course, yeah. Ever. In a million years, they would never make this show. Yeah, it's way too interesting. <laughs> and acknowledges how shitty they have been historically. What's uh, even been the best thing on the network? Uh, it's like I like what the Hardy's Halloween thing. Like I know some of the documentaries are good, but I can't tell them apart. Twenty four Chronicle Untold. They all feel so similar. The Edge Edges twenty four or Edges whatever it was. I think it was a twenty four. I thought that was the best documentary that they've produced by far. Okay, now how does it stack up to the worst Dark Side? Pretty well, honestly. Okay, that that's good. Because like I feel... all the things that I complained about as far as production. That's entirely related to these, like, retro lookbacks. I do think that, especially lately, the documentaries that they do, and you're right, all these different brands, the fact that you have three different things, like, come on, guys, no one can tell the difference between a 365 and a 24 and a Chronicle. Literally no one. I can barely tell the difference between the numbers to begin with. Yes. So uh, I do think that they need to just streamline everything and have that under one title but i do think the modern stuff that they're making as far as documentaries about their contemporary talent whether that's edge whether that's becky lynch whether that's drew mcintyre i do think they do like typically hit those out of the park I, i'm very impressed by by the level of production that goes into that jamo i've got to leave here in in 10 15 okay minutes. okay well you just asked me what the oh, show no, no, of shows no. is oh no i'm pitching i'm pitching something to okay, you here. okay i'm just doing this on air Okay. I was happy with that answer, to be clear. This is a disseparate thought. You you stopped that. To me, though, AEW is the best wrestling show, and SmackDown... Mm, I actually might put SmackDown ahead of NXT, even though it's probably worse. I just have such a hard time getting into NXT right now. I want to shift over to a little bit of money in the bank here. I don't know if there's too much to talk about, to be okay. honest. Okay. Uh, and then I think we probably want to talk to the listeners direct a little bit. Sure. And then we'll send the kids home happy. How does that sound? Sure, yeah, I'm into that. Okay, so I think the easily the most anticipated portion of this Sunday's card is the Money in the Bank match itself. Is that is that a, a fair statement? Can I speak for all of us on that yes, one? Yes, you certainly can. And as we get into this, Josh, I would yes. really like to play for you something off of my phone right now, oh, directly please, yeah. into the microphone, because I made a reference to the uh, Money, Money, Money song that WWE has been playing uh, oh, yeah. uh, during every single show that's driving me utterly insane. And a friend of mine was like, <laughs> Money, Money, Money song? What are you talking about? So I'm going to play my recording right now. Okay, here we go. He nailed it. <laughs> Did is they that, know? That's Did the, they... That is the, it's easily the worst theme that they've ever had for a pay-per-view. It drives me out of my oh. fucking mind. I, oh, I, I hate it so much. It does suck, and I'm right there with you. They 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 miss way more than they hit. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. The only good one is Greenlight. Uh, I, I, to me, honestly, I wish every single SummerSlam had 
Cool for the Summer by Demi Lovato as its theme. <laughs> Anyways, let's hear it one more time, shall we? Yeah. Now, if I played that drop, I don't know, a hundred more times, <laughs> you might hear it as often as you hear it on a single episode <laughs> of Raw. Yeah, let's test that. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, let's hear it a few more. At least one. Here, give me one more. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Okay, I think one I'm more. moving around. I think I like it. I think I like yeah. it now. <laughs> I'm sort of warming up. Give me one more. <laughs> Yeah, this kicks ass, actually. I'm I'm utterly turning on it. This Can we just get one last time? No, I think once more for the round. We'll save one for the end of the show. No, just give me one more and we'll do one at the end, and that's it. Just one more. I'm I am legitimately starting to like it. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah! That song. Come on, give it to me one more. No, time. you're gonna ask for one more again after that. I'm not doing this. No, well, every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, it's so good. I'm gonna hear that again. It's not my fault. You're blaming me for this. Okay, let's talk about the money in the bank match. Okay. As uh, the the everybody knows the rules. Climb the ladder, get the briefcase, cash it in for a chance at your championship of your choosing. Mm-hmm. And in this one, that is, uh, I think, something of a, a stacked group, or at least uh, the people you'd want in it, as it's Daniel Bryan versus Rey Mysterio versus Aleister Black versus Baron Corbin versus Big Otis versus AJ Styles. Very glad to see Otis in the mix, honestly. Yes. Let's reward this guy. I think it's tapered off a little bit, the, the last little bit, the, the Otis Dolph shit. Yeah. But uh, I still feel like Otis has made a great account of himself this year, and you got to give some credit to Dolph there, too. I just wish that now that they're in like a relationship, or at least within storyline, Otis and Mandy, that Otis would like tone it down a little bit with the cartoonishness of his character. <laughs> sure. Like, the, oh, yeah! <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Like, he's played serious before. He played serious throughout most of this storyline, and he came across super <laughs> well it's not impossible are you telling me you don't want otis going Ooh, ducky. <laughs> yeah it annoys me it's, it's i don't uh i want to buy into this like he's supposed to be a sympathetic human being and then he stops <laughs> being human like it doesn't there's a disconnect for me there but while we're giving out kudos for for big otis like uh, we gotta give some kudos for mandy rose as well because oh, like, no question. this whole storyline was her idea she said that yeah. she went to vince and said she wanted to work with otis and, That's crazy, and I yeah. think like that really shows a solid mind for the business that Mandy like knew exactly what she could do that would resonate with people in a way that like her in ring just does not. So yeah, uh, applause to to the the uh, <laughs> is she the goddess? What is even her nickname? I can't yeah, remember. she's one of the, she's either the goddess. No, the or goddess the queen. is Alexa, I think. Or she's the empress, maybe. <laughs> she's one uh, of those things. The princess of Staten Island yeah. is that. <laughs> one of the, the Duchess. Yeah, one of those. She's one of those. Royal to me, ones. though, I don't think this can. There's no uh, real conceivable winner to this match on the men's side, other than AJ Styles. Yeah, AJ feels like the odds-on favorite to me too. 
and he sorry i want to just say one more thing he about deserves OS. it like this has to be yes. a reward for a spectacular taker feud because let's be real it's not just the boneyard match all of the promos nope. that yep. he cut on the entire road to mania were lights out spectacular and we've seen it so many times in past years josh having a one-sided feud with taker who is not there is not an easy thing to do no, and AJ did it better than anybody, frankly. I, I just want to say one more thing about Otis before before we move on. Uh, how many times have we gone on these microphones and been like, these sons of guns can't see that Rusev is over, or at least they don't want to push him, or, or a million examples of this is catching fire and they, and they are resisting. you got to pay a little credit to them. They're seeing that Otis is working. They're putting him in positions. They're putting him in spotlights, and he's continuing to deliver. I do think that's good to see. Oh, no, absolutely. I fully agree with that. Uh, but yeah, I don't have much breakdown here besides I think AJ Styles wins it. But what the hell is this match going to look like? Well, they're doing both matches at the same time. So men's is and that women's confirmed? will happen simultaneously. Yes. And I wonder if this is going to be a runner through the entire show. You know, like I wonder it has to be. if we start at, at the Bristol headquarters and they're all on the ground floor and they, they you know, muck around down there. And then we come back to the PC and we have, a, you know, a U.S. title match or whatever. And then we go back to the headquarters throughout the night, and then it kind of climaxes with the main event being entirely on the roof. Um, that's kind of what I'm anticipating I right so now, too. because I do feel like the way this pay-per-view has been built, this Money in the Bank match, especially because it's the men and women simultaneously, should run in its totality like more than an hour, Josh. Like, Yeah, I, I would think so. You know what's funny? You know what my reference point for this is? What? I think I've talked about this on the show. I, I watched this old DDT show a couple of years ago okay. where the entire pay-per-view is just Kota Ibushi fighting through this like hotel. I've heard of this. Yes, you told me about this. We've yeah, probably talked it kicks... about it on the show before. I haven't? We have. I think so. Oh, we have. Yeah. Okay, then I, then I won't linger on it. But that was this, it had this really cool thing that... Uh, that like every floor, it gave them an excuse to have like sort of a different theme and style. It felt like a wrestling version of the raid, basically. Yeah, right? totally. Where it's like a, it's like actual levels, and I'd love to see them do something that with Titan Towers, like not treat it like just a boring office, but actually like, oh, this area looks like this. I know that's expensive. I know it's a big ask, but I'd like to see them do a little bit of that. Honestly, I thought the highlight of SmackDown last week was Byron narrating that like video walkthrough oh, yeah. of the entire building because I it just like sets your mind ablaze with possibilities of what they might do in those spots. But what I was going to say about the match being having to be like at least an hour, I would probably clock this thing at like an hour 20 probably if I was going to guess right now. Sure. You can't do that all in a, in a row. Like it's going to get boring if you if that's like you need to Unless it's masterful, yes, that's you true. could make it whip. At, you could make it good. I just and don't think they, WWE and they filmed it can. three weeks ago. So like they have the ability to like spend a lot of time yeah. editing this thing to make it right. Hey, I'll, here I'll pay you a compliment. Okay, you could make that an hour and twenty minutes good if you had all those players and say somebody's got to walk out of there with the money in the bank briefcase. I appreciate that. You, right? You know what I will say though that the past three weeks has done a great job of uh, uh, overall. What's that? Exposing the dirt sheets as being just absolutely full of shit and knowing literally nothing jamie you sound a lot like me three years ago on the show <laughs> because dude <laughs> some of the rumors that have popped up in the last two weeks in particular we've known we've known for a very long time if you pay attention to the right people you know that they filmed this thing three weeks ago <laughs> you knew that like the day after they filmed it and yet we were like <laughs> 
hearing, uh, you know, last week it was like, word is that Apollo Crews' injury is real and he will be written out of the match. It's like, he, he, he <laughs> it's, already it's, did it's the done. match. It's and, over. Yeah, and then at the same time that they that uh, the rumor round up the other night, uh, rumor has it, at the same time that they wrote something along the lines of, uh, Dave Meltzer is reporting in The Observer that the match was actually filmed three weeks ago, which, by the way, I knew three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, we did. That's note number one. Note number four was something like uh, the plan was to keep AJ Styles off television for much longer to sell the effects of the Boneyard match, but they brought him back as an emergency because TV ratings are sagging. Motherfucker, they put him in the match a month ago. What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, they're, they they feel as checked out on the the product as we do. It's the only <laughs> explanation. Like, I but just, I mean, listen, man, these people they don't like these things aren't real. They're not actually they're not actually getting calls from writers at WWE with hard information. Yeah, they're and just they're saying, guessing this is not happening. based off the TV. But like, yeah, they might get the odd tease here or there. Like, we're heading in this direction, but that's not information. That's stuff you can watch and guess. And look, obviously, I read the rumor roundup on Cage Side every night. Like, I <laughs> I'd have for your dire adult I life. do enjoy enjoy it a lot and but i know that like sometimes you can kind of suss out when it's real and when it's fake but this the past couple weeks here have been like particularly egregious to me and i needed to make that point before we sign off want to say anything to the uh, the boys and girls who are hearing us in their ears right now uh yes i appreciate you spending the last 90 odd minutes with us and i hope that bringing the show back as we did uh for this uh you know special occasion here and and we hope to do it again in the future as well uh was uh, some sort of comfort for you in in difficult times because i will say i i really enjoyed uh, doing this today and i hope that people yeah, enjoyed it fun. as much as i do because uh I love you, bud, and it's been too long since I've seen you, and it's going to be longer still since till I'm able to give you a hug. So, uh, oh, you know, that's killing me. I know, right? Like, the 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 seeing people at distance. I just think it's so funny if I can get very personal for a moment here, which I often yeah, do ahead. on the show, uh, especially as we're into the late stages, as we've already scared enough people off by now. <laughs> yeah, any hope of new <laughs> listeners died years ago. I do remember one of, you know, and this is, I'm sure you'll remember it too, but one of my big takeaway memories of the last however long was spending New Year's Eve at the bar with you and Mike and uh, the fact that I got to see my boys on New Year's as the clock struck 12, I thought that was really special. But, yeah. it, but in particular, Mike said something because you obviously, if you're a listener at home, remember Mike Noble? He's, uh, for a time, he was the third Mike. No pun well, intended. The roommate of the show. Yeah, roommate of the show. He would. Yeah, you can't take away Ryan Shapps' third Mark. It's true. It's true. It's true. I apologize, Ryan. But uh, <laughs> you know, like he stepped in when you had a concussion. He's guest hosted on this show multiple times in the past uh, because he was my roommate. And obviously, he's not my roommate any longer. And with that, you know, you don't really have to put in effort to be someone's friend when yeah. you live with them every day. And Mike said something on New Year's Eve, which is like, you know, maintaining friendships as an adult is difficult. It takes work. It takes effort. You need to be mindful of it. And he said something along the lines of, like, we really need to put in the work to be better friends this year in 2020. And I really... Oh, I, I got to disagree like, with that. Like, that hit me in the heart, and it felt like a really touching thing to say, you know, because it's saying, like, I am looking back at the year that I just spent, and I'm looking ahead and realizing that my friends weren't in it enough. And I need to work at that to be around people more than ever. 
boy, bad, bad year to arrive at that yeah, one. And then eh? 2020 was like, <laughs> hold, hold my beer here, fellas. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's that's a great message. I think uh, it it's doable on, on the... Listen, I think people are going to want to be seeing each other on the other of side. Course, of course, absolutely you know? they are. And I really hope that people take that message to heart on the other side of this. But I just, you know, I miss my boys because this was supposed yeah. to be the year that uh, we really were there for each other more than we have been in uh, the last little bit, let's say. And uh, I love you and I miss you. And it was yeah. uh, great spending 95 minutes talking about the business with you. Oh, couldn't agree more on all fronts. Echo all your thoughts. Definitely miss the fellas. Uh, and to the, the listeners, uh, I miss talking about uh, professional wrestling, too. Yeah, it's, so- uh, it's it's very nice. But you can hear Justin do it every Sunday on Wrestle Central. On uh, what? Where's that on the dial, man? Sportsnet 650 on the AM dial in Vancouver. And I've had some yep. pretty good guests lately. I, yeah, yeah. What, Pat LaProda? Yeah, we? Pat LaProda and I talked for the full hour just on stories about Andre the Giant from his book. I got a press oh, copy yeah. of it. I, I will listen to this. I keep meaning to download this and listen I'm to it. I'm telling you, folks, if you're at home right now and you got nothing to do and you're trying to pass the time by reading a little bit more, perhaps. Do yourself a solid. Go out there, buy yourself a copy, or buy an ebook version of, uh, you know, digitally, so you don't even have to go anywhere. Of the eighth wonder of the world, the true story of Andre the Giant. This is so incredibly detailed and well researched, and there are countless stories in this thing that are just mind-bogglingly funny. I got Pat to talk about uh, Andre the Giant's run-in. With Saddam Hussein back in the wow. 70s, if you can believe that. Come this on, is a true story. That's a tease. It's hilarious. It's amazing. Uh, I had a great time talking to Pat. We also talked about the Dino Bravo episode of Dark Side of the Ring, which he was a talking head in as well. So I will strongly recommend that episode. And uh, if you yeah, enjoyed me. I haven't me, yet, but I will definitely be be listening to that that interview I meant to this week. It's uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm eager to hear that. that that's a, He's an interesting guy, Pat LaProd. He really he's is. He's one of these guys who's just had like... He pops up throughout wrestling, you know? It's like, oh, yeah, he was, he was here for that and here for that. Interesting cat. You and I should become the uh, the Pat LaProd and uh, his writing partner. What they do for <laughs> Quebec, we should do for BC, you and me, bud. Yeah, that, I, uh, <laughs> I will learn to read and write, and yeah. Uh, yeah, we we'll, will. That, we'll, that sounds we'll, great we'll to me. We'll pitch ECW Press on a book on the history of ballroom brawl at some Ooh. point here. <laughs> now that... That's uh, maybe I should cut watch. that out of the episode because that's yeah, a money on. idea right there. Yeah, what if somebody who knows how to write gets, <laughs> gets that idea? <laughs> We're really up shit creek. Uh, yeah, listen, listen to JMO there on uh, Wrestle Central Sunday nights at uh, ten Sportsnet six fifty. Yeah, it's, and if you like, if you like me scorching WWE for their releases this week, I've been uh, I've been really laying into them on a weekly basis on the show. Pull, so yeah, like Vader not too. pulling punches, launching potatoes at the WWE. If you want to hear my more of my voice, you can always go over. Uh, I have a weekly podcast every Thursday morning. Your bad childhood. We review nostalgia items under a modern lens and find out if they're good or not. We did uh, Reese's Puffs and uh, Lucky Charms this week. Yeah, I thought you guys picked bad sugar cereals. Interesting. We asked people what what to do, and those were those were what, what would you have gone with? Though I'm curious because we narrowed it down to five, and I'm wondering if yours were are in there. Fruit Loops for me, for sure. Yeah, that was in there. And I go Frosted Flakes as well. Oh, interesting. Tony came up for best mascot, but but we we didn't think of it as a. Uh, 
is a big, big children's show. But we're going to do more cereal episodes. Frosted Flakes to me is like the sugar cereal that your parents were okay with for some reason. You know? Yeah, it has like sort of like a cornflake thing going for it, right? Yeah, even it's though like it's it feels... sugar cornflakes, but like even though it's a sugar cereal, and my mom refused to buy, like I would never get like Fruit Loops unless I bought it with my own money. Yeah, but yeah, some yeah. for some reason our house always had Frosted Flakes. That's you, so you, funny. You, she'd be like, she'd look at other cereals and be like, "This is terrible. This is full of sugar. This is." Bad bad for you but there would always be like a jumbo family pack of frosted flakes in our cupboard every single week does that just speak to the caliber of the ultimate pitch man tony the tiger it does yeah clearly he worked on my on my mom so i don't think there's anyone he can't win over (laughs) yeah they're great everybody thinks so yeah yeah i uh i didn't really like them have you had like a cereal like that recently uh I well, Scoots bought us some sugar cereals from the states, and obviously yeah. Fruity Pebbles. I just yeah. I adore Fruity Pebbles are unreal. But he did bring up a box of Lucky Charms for me because I guess he thought it was an American only thing, even though we could right. definitely get it in Canada. But yeah. I hadn't had Lucky Charms in like two decades before yeah. he brought that box up, and it was all right. It was just it was fine. I didn't really the, like it. The non marshmallow part of Lucky Charms is like the grossest thing you can eat. It's just like wet oat. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's like ninety nine percent of the cost of that cereal is in the marshmallow. Well, you did, did and you then see? it's like what they feed prisoners. Did you see what's coming in September? It was announced yesterday, I believe. No, what's that? Uh the Mandalorian cereal. With, is which that? is okay. corn puffs with a, a green baby Yoda marshmallow. Okay, you know. I didn't even watch the show. I feel like I got to have that. You should watch the show. It's fantastic. It's like one of I'm a big last Jedi believer, but yeah, uh yeah. if you're if you're out on the last Jedi, then I would say The Mandalorian is easily the best Star Wars thing that Disney has done. I got to go, but man, we we got to talk about TV. I've been down the TV rabbit hole. Yeah, let's do this more often. Even, even yeah. if I good just, call. Even if I just uh, you know voice call you, you know what what's that called? I think it's a phone. I believe I have one of those that I could use to give Wait, you off a ring one of these days. Yeah, off air. Pepperoni sticks. <laughs> Say yeah. Oh, hang on, hang on. It's coming. I got it. I got it. Here we go. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs)